This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Afton of Linksfield Shul. And it is good to be with you on this beautiful Tuesday on the middle of the month of Elul. Spring is on the calendar, not in the air, uh, <laughs> at least not in Joburg. Um, but hopefully you're feeling a spring in your step. I guess that uh, that's as much spring as you're going to get in this beautiful weather today. But hopefully that you're doing well and healthy and safe. And that whether you're still in voluntary lockdown or you're out and about, you're staying safe. And the best of uh, spirits under the circumstances, I guess that's in general life, under the circumstances to stay in the best of spirits. But I guess, I don't know why I'm into puns today, but maybe the answer is to be over circumstances, not under the circumstances. And if you're over the circumstances, then you're okay. Okay, that was enough for the puns. Let's go to the topic of today. You were just listening to the beautiful music of Yishai Ribo and Mati Steinman's called Nafshi. It, was cons- it won one of the, the won some awards last year in 2019 or 2018 for the best uh, song in Israel. Beautiful, beautiful song. And we'll just be now in a few minutes be playing another song from Yishai Ribo, incredible musician in Israel. Um, and this is actually on the Yom Kippur prayers. And the reason why I'm going to share with you today is because very much as we get closer to Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, a lot of people are asking the same question, and that is, how am I going to feel inspired under the circumstances of um, where we're at? How am I going to feel inspired with the lockdown? How am I going to feel inspired without a choir? How am I going to feel inspired with very few... Um, Rosh Hashanah meals um, with smaller crowds. How am I going to feel inspired? And ultimately, inspiration is going to come from within. And many of us are going to force ourselves, or choose rather, to look at the text of the prayers with open eyes, with a new perspective, with a new, yeah, with new eyes, allowing ourselves to read new meanings into the words and trying to connect with these ancient and beautiful uh, prayers to make our Rosh Hashanah meaningful and personal in a way that we usually don't, um, we usually don't. So the prayer that I want to um, play a song for you in just a moment from Misha Ribo is one of those prayers that I never thought actually song would ever be composed on. I'll be honest, I didn't even think about it as a song. And that is the service of the Kohen Gadol, of the high priest on Yom Kippur. You see, there are certain prayers, and you'll, if you've been in Shul for a while, you'll agree with me. There are certain prayers that just never take off, that when they happen in Shul, everybody's eyes start wandering. Or uh, people get up and leave. <clears throat> okay, it was a great service, thank you so much. And one of those is Yom Kippur Avodah service. Uh, it happens in Musaf, um, which is the second prayer of the morning. Usually the, the, the Musaf prayer will start at 11. It will start with a silent Amidah, 11, 11.30. <clears throat> and then you have a very long repetition of the Amidah, what's called Chazarat Hashatz. And in there, in the longest Chazarat Hashatz that we ever have, it's a very, very long one, you have a section of quite a few pages called Seder HaVayda, the order of how things worked in the temple. 
And for many, many pages, you go and you unpack the story of the temple. And you might recognize certain words like that people scream back, Kohanim, or other parts of the service. Unless you fell asleep by then and you've left because it's it's one in the afternoon and you're thinking to yourself, you know, Neila's at 5.30, I want to get a good schluff in between, so how about I go and leave? It's deep into the Machzor, if it's the art scroll, it's in page 554, and there's another version in the back of the art scroll, and in the Chabad, Haggadah, in the Chabad Machzor I don't have in front of me, it's somewhere deep into the Yom Kippur service, and often gets, neg- you know, doesn't get its attention. And the reason I, I want to start the show with this song is because for me, it's a beautiful example how to reinvent um, in our own hearts and our own minds prayers that maybe we've looked at for years and found them somewhere between fascinating and irrelevant. And not necessarily did we you know, get into it and get into the zone. And here is a beautiful melody. It's in Hebrew, but just to give you the context, it talks about the service of the high priest in the temple, in the Beit HaMikdash, and how the high, the holy, the high priest would change his clothes from white into gold and back into white and back into gold, etc. Three times in the gold, two times the white. And he would bend down and he would confess on behalf of the Jewish people and then bring sacrifices and a few years ago, I think it was last year, this beautiful song came out. It's called Seder Avodah, The Way of the Service of the High Priest. Again, first glance, I would never think it's a song, but it's turned into one of the prettiest songs I've ever heard. And I hope you enjoy it. This is Yishai Ribo on 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. So we are here, and let's get into the zone. Let's, the zone is Rosh Hashanah prayers, Rosh Hashanah services. Um, if they're screaming in the background, apologies. We are uh, doing this live from our home. And um, we're doing the best we can under the circumstances. So incredible blessings that we maybe never, I never, um, fully took in. And now I'm able to take them in. If you told me eight months ago, kids disturbing me during a radio show would get on my nerves. Now it's just, it's life. (laughs) And it's the beautiful part of life that you have kids, thank God, who disturb because they're kids. And it's also fine. Adults do too. So Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, let's, let's go there. The services. Open the text. And I'm going to read some words in English to you. And unfortunately, what happens with translation is that things get lost in translation, not because um, the original is so much better than translation, which it is. It's because the translation often is so terrible. (laughs) Um, The translation doesn't do justice. Like, I do believe there's such a thing as good translation and average translation. I find that very often when we open a Siddur or a Maksar, the translation is um, average at best. So, give you an example. O God and the God of our forefathers, reign over the entire universe in your glory. Be exalted over all the world in your splendor. Reveal yourself in the majestic grandeur of your strength. 
over all the dwellers of your inhabited world. Let everything that has been made know that you are its maker. Let everything that has been molded understand that you are its molder. And let everything with a life's breath in its nostrils proclaim Hashem, the God of Israel's king, and his kingship rules over everything. These are one of the prayers that we'll say many times over Rosh Hashanah. And translation, okay, what's it saying? What's it saying? If I just read it like that, like imagine I'm standing right now and I'm trying to get inspired. I'm clo- I'm, my eyes are open because I'm trying to read, but I'm fully focused. I'm in the zone. Okay, I have the maxo right in front of me, and I'm trying to get in the zone, and I'm saying, oh God, and the God of our forefathers, reign over the entire universe in your glory. Hmm. What am I saying? That's just one example. In general, um, earlier on the same page, our God and the God of our forefathers, may their rise, come, reach, be noted, be favored, be heard, be considered, and be remembered, the remembrance and consideration of ourselves. What do these things mean? Often we try so hard to find meaning and therefore it's so important that before we go into the text and before we, you know, read it, that we come understanding what are we here to do, Rosh Hashanah? What are we here to do, Yom Kippur? And I encourage you to explore that because showing up on the day, even if you have the best mafsar with the best of arts, if we're, we're showing up without context of where we are and what we're doing, the inspiration capability is much less than if we showed up in the zone. Give an example. You're invited to a royal wedding. And for some reason you just choose to go. Like most people who get the invitation. And you don't think about it till that day. You get somebody else to buy your wardrobe. You get somebody else to read all the etiquette. But you're not in the zone. And that morning you're like, hey, one second. I have a royal wedding. I mean, you have to be, there's very few people in the world that would just wake up in the morning and say, oh, I have a royal wedding. Most people would be very cautious, very aware of it and very in the zone for weeks and months before that as they lead up and they would build and build and build and build and build a hype and then they show up and they're, they're locked in. So to you show up Rosh Hashanah, if you're showing up and it's like, oh, oh, there's a wedding going on. Oh, um, okay. Let me open up the book. Uh, mm. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Remembrance and consideration of ourselves and our forefathers and the remembrance of the Messiah, son of David. Unless you're really committed, at some stage you'll take the book and slam it. And sit there saying, like, what am I actually doing here? Especially that I can't even listen to the Chazanah choir this year because there's barely a Chazanah and there's no choir. So what am I actually doing? So in the next... 17, 18 days that we have, we have 18 days till Rosh Hashanah, and then another 10 days till Yom, after that Yom Kippur, and then Sukkot, Simchas Torah, the more zoned in we are about what we're about to walk into, the more the experience will be. I want to give you another example. Examples bring things home. You're going touring. So some people, maybe more amateurs in the tourists, will, won't do any research on the country they're coming to, so they go, they're flying to Croatia, or they're flying to Italy. No idea, we'll just, you know, thumb suck it as we go, we'll take a car, 
and we'll start off in Milan. The problem is if you're going to tour Italy, Milan's not exactly the place that you want to tour. I mean, it's nice. I have spent time there, but most of what you're going to see in Italy will be south of Milan. And you might have decided to fly into Rome instead. Yeah, whatever, I'm flying in. I'm having a good time. Yeah, this, that. A week later, you fly back from Italy and someone says, "New, did you see the Cinque Terre? Did you see Rome? Did you see Venice? Did you see Florence? What? What? What are you talking about? What? What? You saw Naples? Did you see? Do you see uh, the islands? Did you see Rhodes? The more prepared we show up when we're touring, the more we're going to enjoy it. You don't just fly into Beijing and say, I'm going to tour China because first figure out what you want to see in China and then maybe you won't fly into Beijing. You might fly in somewhere else, etc., etc. Even going to Israel, and Israel's full of history and full of beautiful, beautiful places. You fly into, you know, Ben-Gurion. I'm just going to spend time in Israel. You might just get lost in Tel Aviv and Haifa and a few other places, but ultimately you haven't really seen the richness of Israel. The richness of Israel is a million places to explore, but you have to know what you want and you have to go there. And so too it is with showing up to a Chag. You can't show up to a Chag, not Kantism because you're not allowed to, but can't because it's not worth it to show up to a Chag and not be in the zone until it comes. Like often this time of the year, people start having conversations, drove this year, flew by. And the funniest thing is people are saying it this year as well. And I'm like, are you kidding me? 2019, 2020 flew by. That's a, there's a lot of things I would say about this past uh, 12 months, but flying by is not one of them. But somehow it's like become part of the ritual. You have to say, you know, she's, can you believe it? The year, poof, it's gone so quickly, Ruv. You know, it's, it's passed me by. I'm like, oh, really? The lockdown has been like one day. Um, be it as it may. Other than just saying how the year has come flown by, if we're going to show up, we have to show up somewhat in the zone. I'm here, I'm Rosh Hashanah to crown Hashem. I'm here to navigate through prayers that will help me understand why I want Hashem to be crowned. So for example, the prayer we were saying earlier, dear God, rule over the world. What's it saying? It's saying, and we say this in Amidah, on the night of Rosh Hashanah, we say it in the Shacharis, we say it in the Musaf, we say it in the Mincha. God and God are my fathers. Reign over the whole entire world. In other words, be the king once again in this world with your grace and your honor. Be exalted. In other words, let people know of you and, and let people respect you. What we're saying in this prayer is, God, if you are king, which you are, let it be known to the world. Why do you have to be so hidden? Why are you so un, uncovered? Uh, sorry, so, so covered. Uncover yourself. Expose yourself. Let the world see you. Let the world accept you. And let every person in this world and every being in this world that was created from you acknowledge you. Why are we playing this hide and seek game? Why are we playing this game that we're appointing you king and yet we don't see you and the world doesn't acknowledge you? And many of us, even ourselves as we're standing over there, might be doubting, is this real, is it not real? Why can't we just call the bluff or... You know, pull the curtain down and say once and for all the game of hide and seek where Hashem hides and we seek that to be over. So this is just one example of how a prayer, once I understand context, that we're coming and we're telling to God, we are 
committing to the relationship another year. We want you to be our king, and we hope that you commit to relationship with us, that you choose us for another year, that we can play our part and do what we, what you want us to do to keep us alive for another year. And at sometimes in the service, we're calling and we're begging Hashem to look at us. Zachreinu l'chaim Hashem, remember me for life. In other words, I, I want you to come to the table. I want you to give me another year. And I'm coming to the table. I'm committing to you another year. It's a relationship. The whole Rosh Hashanah in many ways is a negotiation. It's a negotiation between the human being and their creator coming and saying, I want you to, I want to have you in my life. I want you to rule over this world. Not only do I want you to rule over me, I want you to rule over the whole world. Not as a dictator, but as a, as God. That people could see where they come from. People can see the meaning in life. God, I want, I want the world to see the bigger picture. That I want Vieda Kalpo, anything in this world. And at the same time, I turn to God and I say, Zachreinu Lechaim. Remember me for life. Kasveinu Chaim Tovim. Write me in the book. You know, many people have the idea on Rosh Hashanah, which is true, but it's a partial narrative, and that is Rosh Hashanah is the day of judgment. If you actually look at the prayers, it's very little about the day of judgment and very much about crowning Hashem and asking for life. Yes, it is the day of judgment, but the, 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 the fuller perspective is it's the day of negotiation. I'm judging God and asking God and deciding, rather, that I want to commit to another year. I'm blowing the shofar, I'm saying the verses, I am getting into the zone, I'm saying, you know what, I want to be better for another year because I'm committed to this. And I'm asking you, God, to give me the life so that I could do this. In other words, it's not give me life because I want life. No, because we're in a relationship. And the only way, God, you're going to get, be able to receive any benefit from me, from my services, if you keep me healthy and alive and you give me what I need. And God, and this is what I'm going to give to you. And I've shared this before. And I, I want to share it again because it's, it, it's by far my most favorite um it's my favorite Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur story. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avton on 101.9 High FM. So just before we went off for a second, I told you I want to share with you my, my favorite, my favorite Rosh Hashanah story. It's, it's just, I think I've shared it every single year that I've been on the radio. And apologies, I'm going to have to share it again and again and again because it's just such a good story. What's the story about? The story is about the paper chicken. And it, it goes like this. And if you heard this from me before, apologies. It's worth hearing it again. I've already shared it um, to myself and to others around me this year a few times. And each time I share it, it just inspires me. For me, it's the story of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. The story goes like this. That someone one time showed up to the great rabbi who lived in the 18th century, Rabbi Limelech of Lezhensk, the Noyam Ali Melech. He's known by his book, the Noyam Ali Melech. He was the brother of the famous Zusha Vanipali. And he came to his rabbi, Rabbi Limelech, and he says, Rabbi, it's before Yom Kippur, and the custom is to do kaparot. And many Jews, there's different customs how to do kaparot. Many do it with a chicken. Some people do it with fish. And many do it with money. And in those days, pretty much everyone did it with uh, chickens. So he says, Rabbi Limelech, how do I do kaparis? I want to do kaparis the way you do it. So Rabbi Limelech looks and says, what do you mean? Like, I do it exactly the way you, what do you do? 
He says, I'm an ordinary Jew. I do what everyone else does. I hold the rooster in one hand, the prayer book in the other, and recite the text. This is my exchange. This comes instead of me. This is my atonement. And Rabbi Limelech looks at him and says, that's exactly what I do. I take the rooster in one hand, the prayer book in the other hand, and I say the text. And maybe the only difference is you care about using a white um, chicken. I don't care if the white, if, if the rooster is white or black or brown. A rooster is a rooster. Fine. But this student of the Rebbe, the Chassid, persists and he starts, he says to the Naim Ali Melech, no, 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 I'm sure that there's something amazing about your kaparot. I mean, come on, Rebbe, you're such a holy person. there got to be something. And finally, Rabbi Ali Melech looks at him and says, you want to see an extraordinary kaparot? You want to see something extraordinary? Go to Moshe, the tavern keeper, the guy who runs an inn and a, a, a bar. And you'll see early morning, the day before Yom Kippur, you'll see a kaparat that you've never seen before. So the Chassid locates Moshe's tavern. It's not too far outside the city of Lezhensk on the road. He asks to stay the night. The tavern keeper says, as you see, it's a small establishment. I don't have any rooms to left. Why don't you go to a different inn down the road? He says, please, I've been traveling all day. I don't need a room. I'll call up in the corner for a few hours and be on my way. Okay, says Moshe, the innkeeper, we'll be closing up shortly and then you could get some sleep. After much shouting, cajoling, threatening, Moshe succeeds in getting all the drunkards, the drunken peasants out of the door. Chairs and tables are stacked in a corner. And the room, which also served as the tavern keeper's living quarters, readied for the night. Midnight had long passed. And the hour, the dawn has arrived, the time to do kaparot. This visitor, the Chassid, the student of the Naimali Melech, is wrapped under the blanket, in a blanket under the table, making believe as he sleeps, but make sure to keep watching, to make sure that he misses nothing. At dawn, Moshe rises from bed, washes his hands, and says the blessings. Time for kaparot, he calls quietly to his wife, making sure not to wake the guest. Yentl, Please bring me the notebook. It's on the shelf above the cupboard. Yentl brings him the cupboard, uh, the, the notebook, and Moshe sits himself on a small stool, lights a candle, and begins reading from the notebook. Unaware that his sleeping guest was wide awake and straining to hear every sound. The notebook was a diary of every mistake, transgression the tavern keeper had committed in the course of the year. Date, time, circumstance of each, noted with detail. His sins were quite benign. A word of gossip. Slept overtime one morning. Didn't give charity on another day. But by the time Moshe had read through the first few papers, he was soaked in tears. For more than an hour, Moshe read and wept until the last page had been turned. Yentl, he calls out to his wife. Can you please bring me the second notebook? This too was a diary, but it was a different kind of diary. It was all the troubles and misfortunes that have befallen him in the course of the year. On this day, he was beaten by a gang of peasants. On this day, his kid fell ill. This day, in the middle of the winter, they had no wood and the family was frozen. Another time, the cow died and there was no milk, etc. 
when he had finished reading the second book, the tavern keeper lifts his eyes to heavenward and says, So you see, my father in heaven, I have sinned against you. Last year I repented and promised to fulfill your commandments, but I I didn't do a good job at that. But last year, God, I also prayed and begged for a year of health and prosperity. And I trusted in you that it would be this way. Dear Father, the innkeeper says, Today is the eve of Yom Kippur, when everyone forgives and forgiven. Let us put the past behind us. Let bygones be bygones. I'll accept my troubles as atonement for my sins. And you and your great mercy shall do the same. Moshe then took the two notebooks in his hand, raised them above his head, circled them three times above his head and says, Zechalifati, Zetunurati, Zekaparasi. This is my exchange. This is my stead, in my stead, and this is my atonement. He then threw them into the fireplace where they turned into ashes. That's a story. It's a story. What did this fellow understand that we would gain so much in understanding? When you show up on Rosh Hashanah, when you show up on Yom Kippur, you're having a conversation with God. This fellow standing up and saying, listen, God, I know I wasn't perfect, but God, you know, this past year has been quite complicated as well. And I've done my best to accept it with grace, but you haven't given me an easy ride. So God, I want to commit to another year of having a relationship with you. I'm willing to forgive what you've gotten wrong, what you've done wrong, at least in my perception. And I ask that you do the same to me. That conversation is what Rosh Hashanah is about. The reason that the story every year just gets to me in the most, in the deepest part is because I crave to be able to have that conversation. I yearn to be able to have that conversation to be able to talk to God in the real way, not token, not even, you know, necessarily transient, spiritual, deeply emotional, but to have a real conversation, to have that simplicity of the innkeeper to talk to God and say to saying, God, I want to have a real conversation with you, that I'm not awkward talking to you, although I don't see you, And sometimes I maybe struggle with my belief in you. But for today, in this moment, I want it to be real. And that's what Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur is. It's when our faith becomes real. It's when our relationship becomes real. It's when we start talking to God for real. And if we can show up to our services, wherever they are, in our home in the privacy of our dining room or in shul or outside in the yard, show up and for just a moment, for one of those moments, not only be a, a beggar, you know, God, please give me, which is important. We ask God for our stuff and not only to, you know, check the boxes that I did everything right, but to show up for real and just have a conversation with Hashem, then you've touched honesty. 
Darizal used to say that somebody who doesn't cry sometime between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, doesn't shed a tear, it's a problem. Now you could see that statement is very judgmental. Um, I can't say I've cried every Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. <laughs> or you could see that statement as, as a calling, where he's calling and saying, comes this time of the year, be real. And if you're real, of course the, a tear will come. Let go. You know, throughout the year we play roles of sinist, sinist cynic, um, doubter, or, you know, a million other titles that we throw on ourselves. And one once a year, for these 10 days, Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, God shows up and says, can we be real? I pray that we can. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Rabbi Levi Avtson wrapping up this show. We've been talking for the last few minutes about coming into the zone for Rosh Hashanah to be able to look at the words and not just see the familiar you know, the English, the the poetic, but to have it as a real conversation, something that we actually feel like we're connecting in the real way. That is the calling of this year's Rosh Hashanah, because it's definitely going to be different. Let's show up. Let's show up. Let's show up with our whole heart. Let's prepare. Let's get in the zone. Let's understand what we want. Now, before we go into a negotiation, like any negotiation, you, you do your preparation. What are you negotiating on? Uh, yes, we all want a good life, we want a generous life, we want a beautiful life, we want nachas from our kids, we want everything. Why? Just because? But because I want to do something with that. I want my life to be beautiful so then I could play my part, I can maximize my potential. Each and every one of us can show up. We have a lot to pray for. There's no question that this past year has been a strange one for all of us. You know, often you get up as a rabbi on a Rosh Hashanah and you say, some of you had a great year, some of you had a challenging year. Yes, all of us, I'm sure, in some ways had a great year, but all of us had challenges this year, whether it was adjusting, whether it was financial, emotional, whatever it is, we've all struggled. And we're showing up with a certain humility this year. And that humility, I hope, that vulnerability can make that conversation that we have with God just a little more real. Before we finish off with the music, I'll just share this ad and then wish you are you worried about your South African investments? Why not diversify and protect your financial portfolio by investing offshore? Octagon Financial Octagon Financial specializes in helping South Africans invest abroad and will be hosting a free webinar on Thursday, 3rd of September at 10 a.m. explaining just how easy it is to invest offshore and why this is a good option for South African investors right now. That's Thursday, 3rd of September at 10 a.m. You can register for this free webinar at www.octagonfinancial.co.za octagonfinancial.co.za I want to finish the show um, with upbeat music hands in the air it's a different tone than the music earlier just we should have an awesome end of this year a incredible beginning to the coming year let our attitude float above you know our reality and we can create better realities in our mind Put your hands up in the air. This is Shlomi Gertner on 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Aftsen, signing off 
on the Fabringen Show. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Chai FM. God bless you and have a great day.